Welcome to Care to Lead, your path to leadership success. Brought to you by the Vizient Nurse Executives Network. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Barbara Seymour, Associate Vice President of Member Connections at Vizient, and I am so excited to welcome today's guest, Dr. Mary Lou Soul, Dean of the University of Central Florida College of Nursing. Dr. Soul is a certified critical care nurse specialist and has dedicated three decades of her research to preventing complications and improving outcomes of critically ill, ventilated patients. She's been awarded more than $4 million in funding to date, has been published in more than 100 peer-reviewed publications, and has influenced the standard of critical care nursing on an international scale. Welcome, Dr. Soule. Thank you, Barbara, for this amazing opportunity to tell my story from an academic perspective. And by the way, it's my first podcast. (laughs) Well, my last podcast was my first podcast, so you're in good company, I promise. You know, I'd be remiss if I did not give a hearty go nights before we get started. Yeah, absolutely. With the go nights, you know, I'm an avid UCF fan. Absolutely. I loved my time at UCF and all the things that I got to learn. Tell us a little bit about your current role as the Dean of the College of Nursing and how your career evolved to where it is today. Thanks a lot, Barbara. You know, my career as Dean has evolved over a long journey of a very long career. Like most leaders, my professional leadership experience started by being tapped and recognized by others to tackle a role I certainly was not thinking about at all. My very first leadership role was during my very first teaching position. I was young. I was in mid-20s. And I was tapped by the director of nursing who said, I want you to be in charge of the senior level program. And I said, I don't think so. I don't think I'm ready. She said, you know what, you can do this. And I said, but I'm going to be teaching and supervising people that taught me. And she said, I think you can do this and I need you to do this. She told me that I had that characteristic of not necessarily having to be the person who everybody in the class liked, but someone who would do a good job and would be able to lead and work with others. She trusted me to do the job and I did it. And following that journey, it took on my role as a CNS or clinical nurse specialist while working on my PhD in Texas. And that role taught me a lot about leadership from an organization perspective, how to implement change and quality by leading and working with others, novice people, experienced people, a system I knew nothing about. So that was an amazing leadership experience from that CNS role. And when you think about the clinical nurse specialist, it's about coordinating care for nurse, patient, and systems with ultimately quality outcomes. And when I think about that same role from the dean perspective, you're looking at influencing patient care and your constituents are your students, your faculty, the organizational system that you're in, and your community partners. So there's a lot of similarities there. So then fast forward again, I ended up at UCF 30 years ago. And believe it or not, University of Central Florida at that time was a small school. And here I've had so many opportunities to lead and develop initiatives of a whole lot of different scope and size. And it was just sort of, I happened to be here, I had some expertise and I was willing to do it. And so I was able to help get a master's program started, help get the doctoral program started, help with accreditation reports. So my leadership evolved through my career here at UCF. 20 years ago, I was tapped to be the interim director of the program. At that time, our program was a school within a college. 
And I enjoyed what I was doing. I had fun learning the role. We're a fairly small program at that time. And I was enjoying it. And I thought about throwing my name into the hat for the permanent director role. But I had to sit back and reflect. And I realized there were some things that made that not doable at that time. I had a school-aged child, and I wanted to make sure there was time for her. And I certainly missed conducting my research and didn't want to hamper the progress I was making. And lastly, I didn't like getting called by the dean at 2 o'clock, wanting a report at 4 o'clock. So there was a lot less control than perhaps I have now in the dean role. So then I fast forward to 2013, which has really been my journey now in the current dean role. I was asked again to do an interim role. I was doing my research. I was writing my grants. And I said, okay, I'll do it for one year, but I've got a grant forthcoming and I want you to get that search going. Well, there were some issues centrally at the university, so they decided to extend it for a second year. And I said, okay, I'll do it a second year, but you've got to get that search going. And meanwhile, I was in the beginning of a large NIH grant at the time too. I kept saying, when's the search going to get done? Well, the search was nearly wrapped up in 2015, and I began to realize I was enjoying what I was doing. I felt like we had a great team here and that I was able to help make a difference together with the team. So at the last minute, threw my name into the pot and do not regret it. I've been dean since 2015. And so the main takeaway is I can't emphasize the importance of recognizing leadership potential in others and helping to develop that. And you never know where your journey will end. Dr. Soule, I certainly reaped the benefit of an innovative and challenging preparation for executive nursing leadership. How do you help shape education to prepare nurses, both new to practice or growing in their careers? When we think about shaping this next generation of nurses and nurse leaders and how to practice, it's really challenging in today's landscape. And it takes a team, just like an administrator in a facility is building that nursing executive team and the nursing leadership team. The same thing applies to the dean role. It's the team of experts in a variety of fields that can help you lead and a team of amazing faculty and staff that will help you get there. I think what's really important for the dean role is to know the landscape in practice. You know, I can remember hearing about academic service splits and how neither of us were talking to each other and we were in the ivory towers. But I don't believe we're in the ivory towers. I believe in the importance of knowing what's going on in practice. And that's why we have advisory boards and clinical advisory boards and communication with all the CNOs to find out what's going on. So as a faculty member and a leader in academia, I've got to listen. I've got to know what's going on. I have to know what the nursing shortage impact is. What can we do to help with some of those issues? I think it's also important to adopt new ideas and test new strategies. I hate being the one of this is the way we've always done it. And that's where my CNS role certainly comes in because I still say it to this day. Let's try this. Let's see if it works. Let's do a pilot project. And if it doesn't work, well, we'll find something else. That ability to adapt to change and foster change is really important in academia as well as service. This pilot approach really is a good strategy. And I love that because I don't like everything to be the same way it was. And sometimes people say you need to make sure you're not changing just for change's sake, but you want to make sure you're doing it for the right reason. And then thinking about what is the unintended consequence of this change as well, because sometimes you think the idea is the absolute best, but then there's some unintended consequence that might say, oh, I shouldn't have done this. 
Yeah, so central to process improvement, right? <laughs> right, right. Early in my career here as dean, we recognized the importance of simulation. And this was before it became really now the hot strategy for nursing education. So we began to build that expertise and we tried it and we've expanded it and we've expanded it. And now UCF is a role model for other programs who use and implement simulation in the curricula. And it also helped us during the pandemic. It served us well in every other program there as we were able to substitute quality experiences. And I think the last thing we want to do to help better prepare nurses for practice, regardless of level, is this whole focus on interprofessional education and learning. Whether we do it in simulation, in a community environment, in the clinical setting, it is so important for the nurses to work and learn alongside other health professionals. Because when we do this, we understand each other's roles. There's a greater spirit of collaboration. We don't get to the old models of, okay, who's in charge? It's about we are here for patient care. So I believe that's really, really important. So those are just a few things of kind of my words for wisdom in that specific area about helping prepare individuals for practice. Dr. Stoll, you've described so beautifully a couple of different things, really challenging yourself to be forward thinking about what might be coming down the pike and how you need to not be responsive, but more anticipate those things and really trying to set a model for students that they're going to experience once they're outside the halls of the academic setting. What changes have you seen in your nursing students and what things have remained universally the same? So, Barbara, it's easier to start with what has remained the same because in nursing education, we've been educating nurses for a long time. And what I would say, one of the things that's most exciting about the same right now is despite the shortage and some of the negative press showcasing the many challenges of nursing, we and many schools across the country have still have an incredible applicant pool of potential students that want to become nurses and address the shortage and be part of the solution. And this is both at the undergraduate and graduate level. This is so exciting when you see a whole classroom of students eager and ready to go and ready to learn. And we just saw this last Friday with a white coat ceremony with these smiling faces and eager. And I would say even more importantly, a new cohort very large cohort filling up a classroom with everybody showing up on time, ready to go, and like, when can we get started? So we have just had an incredible boost of applicants, and we're trying our best to help grow that because that's really important. The other thing we did see for a challenge is we had a brief decline in our graduate education during the peak of the pandemic. As you know, nurse leaders certainly could not focus on school. Those desiring to pursue leadership degrees couldn't focus on school because it was about solving patient care problems. So now we're beginning to see those numbers normalizing as well. So we want to be able to see and grow and support what's needed to support healthcare. I think some of the more challenging aspects of this younger generation that we're seeing, and this is both in undergrad and grad students, is that Gen Z characteristics, kind of the short attention span, a heavy reliance on technology, and the expectations that we're going to use the technology as well, and we're going to know what we're doing with it. We also see this in our grad students. You know, today's learners want nuggets of information rather than chapters. And, you know, I'm used to writing chapters. <laughs> they want multimedia. They want different strategies for learning and not just reading. They want the podcasts. They want the videos. They want the YouTube. So it is important for us to keep up to help 
implement in our practices as well as develop them. Again, be part of the solution. I think the other thing we see with this particular group is that they want to experience different things in nursing. We know they want to do that during their nursing education, so having wide variety of experiences for them to explore what they want to do. And then in the practice setting, we know that these individuals after 23 months are looking for something else. So deciding and letting the institutions help to see how they can keep them within the institution. How do they create new jobs and new learning opportunities? And I would say what's really excited that is, I believe, fairly new that I've seen over the past three to five years is that our recent graduates want to be active in the profession when they graduate. Our newer students are busy doing service activities while they're in school. And following graduation, I've seen our graduates get active in the Alumni Association, their professional organizations such as Sigma, And they're also giving back philanthropically. And I believe these are such strong characteristics, especially that desire to give back to help others that are coming behind them in their footsteps. Dr. Sol, you're an internationally renowned leader in academia and nursing practice. What's the biggest thing you've had to overcome in your journey? Barbara, this is a hard one. You know, because of my journey that I described has been fairly complex and, you know, kind of interrelated, I would say, just like you, my background in critical care and as a clinical nurse specialist has been an asset because it's about problem solving and identifying all the factors. I've let those background experiences serve me well to at least learn the role. I think one of the things that has been most challenging to me, believe it or not, is how I can maintain my personal scholarship while leading at this dean executive level. That has been very important to me and it continues. I've had to factor in how to make this be part of the job. And I've told my bosses over the years, I've got to make sure I can still do my research and my writing and my presentations. This sometimes means a lot of extra hours on evenings and weekends, but because I love it, I'm going to do it. And I do thrive working with students, the junior faculty and the research teams I'm involved in. What I've learned is I've had to cut back a little bit, select a few students that I'm going to help with their mentoring, a few faculty, and cut back. And now I'm secondary on 90% of the publications and presentations as they take the lead, but I'm the editor, or I'm the critiquer, or I'm the helping them think of their research questions. And I think another real challenge with this whole professional involvement is when do I say no? I've been active in professional organizations my entire life, and I thrive in that environment like many nurses do. I love it. I have to think forward. Is this something good? Should I say no? How much time is it going to take? And most importantly, how is this going to benefit the university? I recently had an opportunity to renew for a board that I'm on. And I said, I really feel like I'm contributing to this board. And we're in the midst of a building campaign and a grow our program campaign. So it's like exploding here at UCF. I had to step back and think, okay, I may be contributing to this group, but how is my involvement and my time away with this group going to impact these current needs of the university? So I had to step back and say no. And boy, saying no is really hard for many of us, but in particular me, because I do thrive by these particular experiences and, and the ability to serve. It's so true. And you've made such an incredible impact and continue to make a great impact on the profession. How do you envision the future of nursing and healthcare? You know, Barbara, if I had a crystal ball, we could all make a lot of money on this. (laughs) We know that patient care is always going to be here. For my vision, I believe it's going to have to be a team effort of 
both academia and practice, of helping to identify different models of care, different models of care to support the patient, to prevent the patient from going to the hospital. And that's key right now. We know with the shortage, every institution I know is looking at how do we deliver care with limited resources. So we all have to be part of that solution. I see a strong integration of innovation and new technologies, but hopefully that doesn't detract then from the patient interaction, which we know that compassionate care and patient interaction is the heart and soul of nursing. We're really going to be involving others, looking at teamwork to keep everybody out of the hospital. And I would say the important part of this is how do we influence the role of nurse leaders and educate more nurse leaders to generate practice initiatives that are going to impact patient care. Dr. Soule, if you could give us any advice to follow as we grow our up-and-coming generations of nurses, what would it be? Having had a few years' experience with this latest group of Gen Zers, I think it's really important to embrace their strengths. You know, if their attention span is short, what do we need to develop to have those short nuggets of information? Let them teach us. They can teach us how to better incorporate technology. They can show us how to strategize and how to streamline some things and how to integrate the things they like for better teaching and learning. I think we need to instill a sense of pride and commitment and provide diverse opportunities for them to grow as both a student and as an employee within institutions. And lastly, because of their strengths, to foster and feed that spirit for giving back, whether it's as a preceptor, whether it's through a donation, whether it's eventually coming back and teaching. So we want to continue to foster that spirit. That's fantastic and a great place to wrap up, Dr. Soul. I really appreciate you sharing your journey and your leadership insights. It's been a pleasure having you today. Thank you, Barbara. This has been a fun opportunity. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's discussion, please subscribe to hear more Care to Lead podcasts. Like us and send us your comments. Care to Lead is your path to success and is brought to you by the Vizient Nurse Executive Network. I'm Barbara Seymour. Have a great day.